Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani. And alongside me tonight, folks, for a very special edition of the show, is the man himself back in action in the 608 after a remarkable road trip to the Buckeye State is the one and only Nicholas Osen of 24-7 Sports. Nick, you got the job done on the road earlier this week, and you are back in the fold at the Kohl Center come Saturday morning. How are you doing tonight, my brother? Thank you, sir, for the lead-in. Honestly, I'm I'm good. I'm glad that we didn't do this when we originally planned because your brother here was exhausted. A lot of a lot of windshield time, as some of our family would say. But it was a good week. Got to cover some recruiting. Great Badgers game. And now, ahead of a busy weekend, we've got some football news to break down. Nick, it has been an astronomical week in the National Football League, as well as your Badgers, obviously, taking down the Ohio State Buckeyes on Wednesday night and a quick turnaround on Saturday at the Kohl Center as you take on one of the best teams in the Big Ten against the Northwestern Wildcats. So not only a massive week in the NCAA, but good Lord Almighty, have there been some headlines in the National Football League. Folks, we are going to break those down for you. So strap in for a wild one. And as always... Juice up! All right, Nick. We're going to quit burying the lead here because our beloved Chicago Bears, after a truly atrocious performance at Lambeau Field this past weekend, they dropped the gauntlet and fired offensive coordinator Luke Getze and the majority of his offensive staff, which a move had to be made following this season. A truly disappointing season in terms of a 7-10 and 10 record, a team with a great deal of aspirations to make the postseason and actually win football games down the stretch make some noise in the playoffs. That was the goal going into this year. Year three of Justin Fields, a bolstered defensive unit with insane amounts of talent. Obviously, that shined through with Jalen Johnson named to the second-team All-Pro. Montez Sweat leading the team in sacks and being named a Pro Bowler. This team did a lot of great things on the defensive side of the ball, but of course fell short offensively, and that responsibility falls on Luke Getze, and he was relieved of his duties, as we would say in the biz. And I am over the moon about it. I had been calling for his head from maybe three weeks into the season, it was evident that he belonged elsewhere and it was not with this franchise and with Justin Fields as our quarterback. Yeah, you definitely had been, you know, ready for that move uh, with Getsy for a long time. I, I think our listeners here know I'm rarely, if ever, someone to kind of call for people's jobs, but I do think it was the time. 
uh, regardless of what the team does at quarterback. And I think we're both on the same page with what we hope to do. But either way, I mean, some of those times, whether it was the really poor kind of obvious screenplay calls within their own eight-yard line or not really getting fields on the move, not letting him throw the ball downfield, like not kind of having designs to look downfield as much as we needed. I always will hope a guy kind of finds a spot and lands on his feet, but it was time. And now I'm just really intrigued as we touch on some other moves, what they do at the most important position in sports. Nick, you said it best there. It's plain and simple. Luke Getze did not put Justin Fields in an advantageous position as the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Countless times on the broadcast, you hear, oh, the Bears lead the NFL in rushing. Yes, that is because we have a mobile quarterback who ran for 500-plus yards this season while missing, I believe, four games, which is truly remarkable. He had 1,000 yards last year and had over half of that this year while missing a good stretch of the season. But he is not one-dimensional. And Luke Getze liked to put him in a box and not let him air the ball out. Even when you have a guy like DJ Moore, who eclipsed a thousand yards receiving, is a deep ball threat. And what it really ended up being with that duo was DJ Moore making plays in the yards after catch because there were a lot of short throws, you know, in that 10 to 15 yard range. So, when you look at this season, Nick, it's clear as day for me, Luke Getze was the problem offensively. He's not the only problem, but we talk about teams that are good and have success beyond the regular season. I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers. I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys. Those are two teams offensively that keep their foot on the gas deep into the fourth quarter, and Luke Getze was conservative with his play calling with a 10-plus point lead, and that ultimately led to his demise and why we had to move on. So I think it is a remarkable decision. But as you know, Nick, myself and many other Bears fans are calling this one a half measure and believe that the entire coaching staff had to be removed and start with a clean slate going into 2024 yeah you know this is where i am a little different and maybe it is being too nice maybe it's the emotional attachment because i'm still you know kind of a a corny person like that i love hearing the close-knit nature of the locker room and you know how everybody came together and kind of a culture do I think that this is the guy in Iberflus to get the Bears to Super Bowl? I don't. I can be honest about that. But do I think that if he makes the perfect OC hire and most of this roster sticks together that the team can make the playoffs? I do. And as sad as that is, that's a win in my book because we've only seen three or four playoff wins in our entire football-watching lives like that we'd actually remember. So that's kind of what I'm excited about. 
though my gut does tell me that they won't stick with Justin Fields, I think there's a better chance for them to do so based on keeping the head coach, keeping a lot of the defense, because if you start over, obviously, all right, rookie head coach, rookie QB, like the Texans did, and like you see often. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm incredibly happy for Jalen Johnson. I think that he should have been first-team All-Pro. I believe there are two, and I think he and Sauce Gardner deserved first-team. I think they both should have been on it over Deron Bland, as cool as some of his stats are. And while I can't call DJ Moore an All-Pro snub because there are even less spots for Pro Bowl, you look at the numbers, and he was not far off at all. So I think he's a legit top 9 to 10 guy at his position ahead of what should be a fun weekend for the sport as a whole. Nick, we talk about the good things that Matt Eberflus did, and I will be someone to give him credit in terms of that defense. It was a stout unit, as we know, and – Ryan Poles did a great job last year in free agency bringing in big names in Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, trading for Montez Sweat in the middle of the season. Those guys panned out. Was Tremaine Edmonds a little bit of a letdown? Sure. But TJ Edwards actually exceeded expectations and became a name that was floated around in terms of a pro bowler this year. So, you got a couple all-pro votes, actually. I saw the whole list, and I scanned. I think he got two. TJ Edwards was someone so consistent for this defense, whether it was nabbing interceptions or being a top-dog tackler throughout the course of the season. After some early mistakes, he was able to correct those and be a staple for this defense. So, Nick... For me, you talk about, okay, we're moving forward with Matt Eberflus. That actually, in my mind, bodes well for Justin Fields because if you go ahead and fire the entire coaching staff, you bring in a new head coach, he would like to have his pick of the litter in terms of, okay, we've got the number one overall pick. He wants to go out and draft a quarterback. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, you heard the buzzword in the press conference this week. They talk about continuity, continuity, continuity. Okay, in my mind, continuity is sticking with your quarterback who has proven himself time and time again with some really shoddy play calling and get him a competent offensive coordinator and you look at some of the names being interviewed this week, Nick, one stands out above the rest, and that is who I hope the Bears hire as the offensive coordinator, and that is Clint Kubiak out in San Francisco, son of a Super Bowl-winning head coach in Gary Kubiak, a great offensive mind for those Denver Broncos, and Clint Kubiak, oh my Lord, what he has been able to accomplish with not only Brock Purdy, but making Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel into perennial pro bowlers in the passing game. He took Brock Purdy, the last pick in last year's draft, 
and turned him into a pro bowler and MVP conversation. He is the passing game coordinator out in San Francisco, and that is where we lack in offense is consistent through the air. So can you pair him up with Justin Fields? I absolutely believe it. And they're talking about Shane Waldron. I don't understand that one. As Seattle moved on from Pete Carroll and didn't necessarily have a high-powered offense this year. Yeah, quite honestly, I'd be, you know, okay with either of those. Obviously, one of my favorite picks would be a guy like Ben Johnson, but of course, he will be a head coach if he leaves his spot, likely. Another guy is Pep Hamilton. I'd be very happy with him. Just This is the hire that we need to nail, and I will say this, you know, crazy week, but got to be in a good mood talking some shop with you here. I would be disappointed if the Bears move on from Justin Fields. However, showing commitment to a guy like Jalen Johnson that the Bears drafted that has turned into, for anyone that actually knows football, a legitimate superstar at the position. Because if you're a top four or five guy, and I think he's top three at his position, Show how much it means that he he stuck with the Bears. He didn't hold out or anything during the season, and he performed. I mean, whether you're watching or you're a PFF guy or whatever, I don't think you'd get too many disagreements that he was the best cover corner in football this season. And that's special. That shows, all right, the offense has to get better, but the defense, which we grew up on, that special number, 33, I want that guy back in Chicago. And what's a beautiful thing is I think that he wants to be back as well. Nick, you've got me grinning ear to ear. And you won't normally see that on this show, folks, as the Bears have been so abysmal this season. And we've not had a lot of positives to hang our hats on. But the vote of confidence from Ryan Poles saying in the press conference, Jalen Johnson's not going anywhere. We're going to get a deal done. That really made me feel good moving forward. But yes, that may be a leader of the defense, but you also need to get the job done offensively and keep the franchise quarterback the most important position. As you say, Nick, you need to keep him in Chicago and not trade him off to you know, potentially his hometown, Atlanta. That is the main link that they are talking about right now. And Nick, before we get into Super Wild Card Weekend, which I am extremely excited for and looking forward to watching together on Sunday evening, my frustration with keeping Matt Eberflus is clear as day. It's okay. Ryan Poles really not wanting to admit that he was wrong in hiring Matt Eberflus because you go get the GM. Okay, the GM makes his head coaching decision. Well, he's already admitted that Luke Getze was the wrong hire. They've admitted that Alan Williams was the wrong hire. So he's holding on to a thread of Matt Eberflus improved the defense this year. Okay. There are proven head coaches. I'm not saying that they would come to Chicago, and I wouldn't blame them if they 
didn't even take the interview. But put a feeler out there. Throw your hat in the ring for the biggest names in the sport in Mike Vrabel, a perennial playoff contending head coach. And the greatest football coach in the history of the sport is available. And you are willing to say, I stick by my guy in Matt Eberflus. No, Bill Belichick is out there. I know he would not come to Chicago. How can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I think Matt Eberflus is a better head coach than Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick? That's what you're doing when you say, nope, he's our guy moving forward. And it is preposterous. I like when he gets a little passionate with that stuff, folks. I, uh, I don't disagree fully, though I do think you look at some of those names. I don't think, yeah, Belichick wouldn't have come to Chicago. I'm not sure if Brable would. Like we texted about, I know he kind of brings that Chicago kind of fit, defense, toughness. I'm not sure that's more of what we need. I know Eberflus is a defensive guy, but we'll see. For the most part, I was happy to see that. You know, I, I do like the guy. I think he actually does really know defense. I think he's a decent leader of men. The in-game decision-making has to improve. And, yeah, the offense as a whole. But I, I'm excited because I think this is a year where a lot of familiar faces will be back, which is just cool to see because so much is changing in this kind of current sports landscape. And we will see what happens at quarterback. I don't think we necessarily get an answer on that for at least a month or so. Nick, we will be asking ourselves that question all the way up until – the draft month, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, the new league year starting in March, that would be the potential spot where we can extend Justin Fields, which I would truly be having a sigh of relief and knowing that this franchise is willing to move forward with such a talent in Justin Fields and not involving him in some ridiculous trade package to an Atlanta or a team that is desperate for a quarterback, because if those teams want him, that means something that he is capable of leading a franchise. So Nick, moving forward into super wildcard weekend, I am absolutely over the moon to be watching some football over the next three days, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Pretty unique to have a playoff game on Monday night. But the games on the docket for me over the next couple of days that really stand out, Nick, are Dolphins versus Chiefs at Arrowhead on Saturday night going to be one of the coldest games in the history of football in the negatives. I believe it will feel like negative 30 in Kansas City that night. And... The Miami Dolphins are not used to playing in cold weather, as we know. I'll let you touch on each of these games, Nick, because these ones really are going to be what I build my weekend around, as you know. The ones we will be catching together on Sunday evening in Packers versus Cowboys. And probably my favorite one in the weekend, a 
Jared Goff revenge game going up against his former team in the L.A. Rams. Hosting a playoff game for the first time in decades for the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff revenge game against Sean McVay who traded him to Detroit and actually received Matt Stafford who won a Super Bowl almost immediately in L.A going up against his former team who we spent over a decade with and has so many memories back at Ford Field. Yeah, really, really good choices. I mean, I think those would be, you know, top three for a lot of people. Uh, Packers-Cowboys and the Rams-Lions, those are for sure my top two. Um, I hope I'm not overconfident about one of my favorite teams in the Chiefs. I just feel like this is – you know, the weather's working in their favor. It's a moment that they could potentially shut a lot of people up. Are they going to be the Super Bowl champs this year? Probably not. Top of that AFC is pretty tough. But I, I like that call. Um, yeah, I, I think Rams-Lions could go either way, which is terrific. That's Sunday night, you said, right, I believe. Um, don't care a ton about the Monday night game. Uh, eagles Bucks. But a game that I do think will be really good quality and not sure who wins is Browns-Texans. I mean, you kind of get this rookie potential star in C.J. Stroud against a top three defense in Cleveland. There are a couple injuries in that game, but I think there's a reason that should be the closest spread of the weekend. Uh, you know me with, with my schedule. I won't get to watch many as I'd like this year. I'd probably get a, a game a day which includes Packers, Cowboys with you. Uh, an embarrassment to Buffalo if they can't win. Uh, and that's no disrespect to the Steelers. It's just the, the Bills roster is better at this point. And it's really impressive that one of the greatest ever, Tomlin, got that Steelers team to the playoffs. But either way, this is a top three or four sports weekend for me of the year. Nick, that's exactly why they call it Super Wildcard Weekend, because – our days are numbered in terms of football watching, and it just gets cut down from this weekend on. So we have to savor the flavor, and I'm grateful that you touched on some of those oddball games. You know how I feel about those Buffalo Bills. They've been playing their best football at the right time. I believe they will roll against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are limping to the playoffs, as we like to say. And I think you'll be able to squeeze out a few more minutes of football on Sunday night, Nick. We'll be paying close attention to that Rams-Lions game together. And I cannot close out this show without my NFL Pick of the Week playoff edition. I am rolling with, for my Super Wild Card Weekend Pick of the Week, the Dallas Cowboys at home, minus seven, a touchdown and some change against the arch-rival Green Bay Packers on this show. Jordan Love, his first playoff start, having to go down to Jerry's world. It is going to be a tough test against Micah Parsons. Oh, my Lord, he's going to be in your grill mix all afternoon long. Deron Bland, you talk about the leading interception man 
in the NFL right now. That Dallas Cowboys team has been rolling offensively. I think it is going to be a rout at Jerry's World and a nice revenge game for Mike McCarthy against the team that fired him just a few years ago. And those Cowboys are poised for a deep playoff run. I'm thinking NFC Championship down the stretch. Yeah, really, really good stuff. My pick, just because it's kind of where my head went when you said it, and I don't want this. I want to make that clear. I like both these teams. You're smiling. Maybe you know it. But I, I think it's Rams plus three. I actually think they win that football game. Uh, I'm not sure if Detroit's ready for the moment. They might be, but those dudes over there won the Super Bowl. They still have a lot of those key pieces. An incredible running back, now another star receiver. They miss Jalen Ramsey, but that defense is still pretty solid. That'd probably be my pick, and we'll see. Maybe I can squeeze out a few minutes for it. Nick, you know I absolutely love to speak the truth when it comes to the game of football and in life in general. I am hoping for and anticipating an L.A. Rams victory because, yes, the Lions, we've said it time and time again, they're a great story. They're a great team right now. But at the end of the day, they are a division rival for us. I don't care if we've beaten them down year over year, actually stole a game against them this season. I don't want them going anywhere near the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship, none of it. I love Jared Goff. I have a great deal of respect for Matt Stafford. And you said it best, that's a Super Bowl winning team. They've got the pieces offensively. Two superstars, you can say right now, even with a rookie in Pukunakua on one end and Cooper Cup on the other, it's almost impossible to stop that offense. I want the Rams to roll at Ford Field. And Matt Stafford knows how to win in that stadium mighty well. Nick, I am absolutely thrilled to be watching some football with you this coming weekend. And we will be enjoying Wire to Wire on Sunday. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, just up, bear down forever.